You ready to continue to unlock those secrets of persuasion and supercharge your entrepreneurial journey? Well, tune into this episode as we continue to delve into the art of persuasion. Yeah, it's a skill not just for salespeople, as you started to learn in the last episode, but it's for everyone looking to influence others, including you, my parents, guiding their children. Now, I got about halfway through my notes on persuasion on the last episode, and I want to finish sharing the rest of this with you today. So if you're a parent dreaming of escaping the nine to five grind and turning your side hustle into your main income stream, this episode and the previous one are must listens. Tune in, take notes and start transforming your entrepreneurial journey today. Your future self will thank you. Being an entrepreneur sounds like, yes, another new client. I did it. But... It can also sound like, I am really not understanding this technology and I'm feeling so overwhelmed. Am I even cut out for this? That's why I started the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast to help infopreneurs, coaches, and course creators who want to build a business online but are battling technology, overwhelm, procrastination, and even imposter syndrome. Think successfully, think differently, Think bigger and take action by learning tips from an array of business owners, all dropping knowledge on the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. What is up? What is up? What the heck is up, my Dark Horse friends and family? Welcome back to a continuing dose of parental persuasion learning where we empower parents to turn their side hustles into their main income stream. I... Amy Dark Horse host Tracy Brickman, a parent, a podcaster, and an entrepreneur who knows the struggles that comes with wanting to escape the standard nine to five by starting a side hustle with the hopes of becoming the infamous digital nomad, all while maintaining that healthy work-life balance so that you can not only be there for your kids, but you can also set a champion of an example for them at the same time. Now, today we're going to continue with our deep dive into a topic that can revolutionize your entrepreneurial journey, and that is the art of persuasion. So I'm not going to uh, belabor this. I know we got through the first half of what I had written down and, and taken some notes about. We talked about the power of persuasion. We talked about those three little words that can break sales records. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back to the previous episode. Episode, what was that, 430? We continued with the power of relatable testimonials. We finished off with the importance of focusing on those yes people. And I'm not talking about yes men, right? You need to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. Now we're going to continue our persuasive deep dive and chat about how to beat persuasion backfire. Let's dive deep into another intriguing aspect of persuasion, shall we? This is the concept of persuasion backfire and how you can avoid it. This is particularly relevant for all my parents out there striving to transition from nine to five jobs to running your own side hustles, turning them in, into businesses and embracing that digital nomad lifestyle. See, persuasion backfire occurs 
when your attempts to influence others have the opposite effect of what it is you intended in the first place. For instance, let's say you might be trying to convince your customers about the value of your product. But if you push too hard or you push in the wrong way, they might resist. Some of them will resist and they'll become even more entrenched. They're going to dig their heels in in their original opinion. Right? And this is the common pitfall in the world of persuasion, and this is really one that can be avoided. And let's, let's chat about how. One effective way to beat persuasion backfire is to focus on praising your top performers. Let's talk about this in the context of business. These can be your most loyal customers, your most engaged followers, or even most productive employees if you have them already. You see, by recognizing and appreciating their efforts, you not only motivate them to continue that high level of performance and maybe even raise it even higher, but you also set a positive example for everyone else to follow. Let's go with another instance. If you have a customer who regularly engages with your content or has been particularly successful in applying your concepts, your product, or your service, highlight their story and get their permission, please. But share their successes with your audience and praise their efforts. And if they're starting their own business, direct people over there to buy from them. This not only motivates them to continue their engagement, those ones who have already gotten the success, but it inspires everyone else to follow in their footsteps. Now, let me give you one more tip in, in avoiding the persuasion backfire is to be mindful of how you present your message. I want you to avoid using fear or pressure as a persuasion tactic because those are the ones that most often lead to the most resistance. Instead, focus on all the amazing benefits and all the positive outcomes that come from your product your service, your consulting, whatever it is that you are or will be offering. Show your audience what they stand to gain rather than what they stand to lose. And I think another thing here, and this really comes to you guys, my, my parental audience, is that we need to remember as parents looking to transition into the digital nomad lifestyle, your journey is going to be filled with a myriad of challenges and you're going to be faced with any number of obstacles. They're going to throw down the gauntlet on you. And by understanding the principles of persuasion and how to avoid the backfire when you use them, this can effectively influence your audience, motivate your top performers, and ultimately aid you in achieving your goals. That's the power of understanding and beating persuasion backfire. All right. Now, number five, let's talk about the right way of using fear. I want to explore a more delicate aspect of persuasion, and that is the use of fear in selling. Tracy, you just told me not to use pressure. Well, bear with me. It's a fine line, and we're going to walk that line because as parents venturing into the world of entrepreneurship and aiming for that digital lifestyle, understanding how to use fear effectively, my friends, can be a game changer. And here's what I mean. Fear, when used correctly, can be a powerful motivator. It taps into our primal instincts of survival as well as those protection instincts. However, using fear in selling is a bit of a delicate balancing act, like I was saying. You're walking that razor's edge. If done incorrectly, 
I can almost guarantee it's going to backfire and drive customers far, far away, right? You're going to turn those yes men into no folks, okay? But when it's done right, it can create this sense of urgency and literally drive people to take action. Now, the key here of using fear effectively in selling is to always provide a solution. If you present a problem or the risk that induces the fear, you must also provide the solution that alleviates the fear. For example, if you're selling a product that helps parents manage their time more effectively, you might start by highlighting the fear of missing out on their child's lives due to being too busy. I've done this. I did this in a previous episode. However, it's crucial that you follow up by presenting your product as the solution and that how it can help them reclaim their time and spend more quality moments with those children. Yeah. Another important aspect of using fear in selling is to be genuine and to be honest. Fear tactics should not be used to manipulate or deceive your audience. The fear should be real. And the fear should be relevant. And your product or service must provide that genuine solution. I, I guess what I'm saying here is that misusing fear can damage your reputation and your trust with the audience. So there are definitely two huge reasons why you don't want to do it. So let me give you a, a few tips on how to use fear effectively in selling. Number one, identify a real and identify a relevant fear. And that fear has got to be real and relevant. Understand your audience and what fears or concerns they might have. For parents looking to become digital nomads, it could be the fear of financial instability or the fear of balancing work and family life. You get me. You feel me, right? Okay. Number two, present your product or solution. Once you've identified the fear, maybe even stirred it up a little bit, present your product or your solution. Show how it can alleviate the fear and improve their situation. That's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to give you guys all these tools so that you can take those fears that we just mentioned and douse them, toss water on that fire, okay? And then three, be genuine and honest. Don't exaggerate the fear or make these false promises about your product or service. Be honest in what it is your product can do and how it can help them. That's what I'm doing here. Just providing you with the facts, ladies and gentlemen. How you execute those facts really is up to you. And hopefully I try to drive a little motivation with these presentations to get you to do that as well. Because remember, the goal here is not to scare your audience, but to show them that you understand their fears and that you have a solution. That, my friends, is the right way to utilize fear in your selling. I don't want to say use fear because you don't want to use it. You can utilize it. All right, let's move along to one some of you have probably been waiting for. I kind of teased it in the beginning of yesterday's episode is how to sell even more if people don't like you. <laughs> this is one of the big ones I get. I wanted to be sure to share this with you. So I want to delve into this fascinating aspect of persuasion that might seem a little counterintuitive at first. All right, so bear with me. We're going to talk about how to sell even more if people don't like you. And now as parents striving to become uh, successful entrepreneurs and digital nomads, this principle can be a powerful tool in your arsenal. The principle revolves around the law of reciprocity. It's a social norm that compels us to return a favor when one is bestowed upon us. 
it's a powerful psychological force that can have a significant impact on our decisions and our behaviors, as well as our purchasing decisions. The law of reciprocity can be a game changer when it comes to business. It suggests that by giving something of value to your potential customers first, you can highly increase the likelihood of them returning the favor, often in the form of a purchase. This gift, he says with air quotes, doesn't have to be a physical product. It can be a piece of valuable advice, a free ebook, or even a helpful blog post, hmm? or a podcast episode maybe? I'm just saying, interestingly enough, the law of reciprocity can work even if people do not particularly like you. I've seen it. The study has found that people who have received a small gift from a stranger were twice as likely to buy a raffle ticket from them regardless of whether they liked that person or not. This shows that the act of giving can overcome many personal biases and increase your sales. So let me give you a few tips on how to apply this law of reciprocity in your business. Number one, and this is probably the most powerful and I probably should have saved it for last, provide value first. First, ladies and gentlemen, before asking ever, even considering to ask for the sale, provide your potential customer with something of value. This could be a free resource, some valuable advice, or helpful service. Give, 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 give. If you're in the business just to make money, you're probably in the wrong business. I'm not saying you're not good at it. If you're here to serve, ha, that's where magic happens. And that's where providing value first becomes almost too easy, right? Number two, be genuine in your giving. Be genuine when you give that value. Don't give with the sole intention of getting something in return. Mm -mm. No, no, no. People can sense that insincerity. And my friends, it's going to backfire. Give because you genuinely want to help your audience. One of the things I do is the, the three Ps, personal, periodic, participation. This is one of the things that's caused my podcast to grow so significantly over the past year or so, is I get out there and I tell people, be social on social media. Stop just getting into debates. And I get out there and I see questions that I have knowledge and expertise in. I go in there and I answer the questions and I don't just give a one sentence answer. I actually put some thought into it. I be, I'm being genuine in my giving. And I have no intentions of them ever coming back to me asking for anything like, oh my God, where do I buy your course? Or, oh my God, where do I check out your, your podcast? No, no. I just go in there, write a couple of paragraphs, two, three, four. Sometimes I've gone even longer and just give them the value that I think they're looking for. And then I move on. And I spend maybe 15, 20 minutes a day. Sometimes it's more because, you know, I'll do it when I'm sitting around the house and you know, just chilling. And then I move on. And what I've seen is people have come back to me and say, oh my God, thank you so much. Where can I learn more about X? And maybe it's a product or a service or my podcast. And it, you've seen that. Well, if you haven't, go look at my fa recent Facebook post. You can see that just this hockey stick. It's crazy, right? All right. So, and then number three, do not rush the reciprocation. You see, after giving, you don't want to rush your audience to reciprocate. Heck, don't even consider they're going to reciprocate in the first place. 
Give them time to appreciate the value provided. And if you do, they'll be more likely to return the favor in the end. Here's what's interesting. The law of reciprocity can also be applied to parenting. Yeah, I know I'm targeting my parents and you're going to hear me talking about that a lot. Here's the thing. By modeling generosity and kindness to your children, you encourage them to reciprocate these behaviors. This can foster a more harmonious and cooperative family environment, which is especially important when you're embarking on your digital nomad lifestyle. You do not want to have all that upheaval going on when you're trying to stir the entrepreneurial waters. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. Remember, here's the thing. The law of reciprocity is a powerful tool, but it should be used with sincerity and a genuine desire to provide value. That, my friends, is how you sell even more, even if people don't like you. Okay, now let's talk about our last one here before we start wrapping things up. Why do you want to call your audience names? Wait, what? It's, it's now explore a unique aspect of persuasion that might raise a few eyebrows. Why you want to call your audience names? Now, 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 hold on, hold on. Before you start jumping to conclusions, let me clarify what we're talking about here. We're talking about positive labels. As parents and budding entrepreneurs, understanding the power of positive labels, man, it's a game changer in your journey as a parent, as well as becoming a digital nomad. Here's the thing. The power of positive labels lies in your ability to affirm your audience's identity and influence their behavior. When you assign a positive label to someone, you're not just describing them, you're also subtly encourage them to live up to that label. Yeah, this is a psychological phenomenon known as the Pygmalion effect, where high expectations lead to improved performance. For instance, if you tell your audience they are innovative thinkers, then they're likely to be encouraged to do innovative thinking. If you label them as action takers, they're quite probably going to take more action. This principle can be incredibly effective in persuasion in helping you to guide your audience towards the behaviors they desire as well as you desire. So here's some tips on how to effectively use these positive labels in persuasion. Number one, be specific with your labels instead of just these generic wah, 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 like awesome, you're awesome, right? Use specific labels that highlight the qualities you want to encourage. For example, they're resilient, you're resourceful, you're determined. You get what I'm saying? These are very specific. They're all awesome, but awesome is just kind of like this woo-woo kind of, I don't know, smoke and mirrors thing where resilient, resourceful, determined, action-taking. You, you, you get me? All right. Number two, use labels that resonate with your audience. You need to understand your audience's aspirations and their values. So choose labels that resonate with them, that don't deter from them. For instance, if your audience comprises of I don't know, parents like you guys, parents aspiring to becoming digital nomads, labels like adventurous, independent, freedom seekers. Yeah, that's kind of resonate. You feel me? Yeah? Okay, good. All right, number three, reinforce the labels. Don't just assign a label and willy-nilly forget about it. You need to reinforce it 
with your content. Reinforce it with your actions, with your interactions. For example, if you're labeled your audience as innovative thinkers, regularly share content that stimulates, yeah, innovative thinking. Oh, duh. Here's an interesting thing. The, uh, the power of positive labels extends beyond your business and, of course, can be applied to parenting as well. You can assign these positive labels to your children, to their friends. You can encourage them to embody the very qualities that you want them to have as adults. For example, calling them responsible, calling them kind can motivate them to live up to these labels. So let me wrap this one up. Call your audience names, but make sure those are positive names. Make sure they are kind names. And of course, utilize this powerful tool of persuasion positively. By affirming their identity and setting these high expectations, you can guide them towards the behaviors they desire and that you desire. All right, let's wrap this up. Now, so as we draw these two enlightening episodes to close, let's take a moment to reflect on some of the points we've covered in them, okay? We delve deep into the art of persuasion. This is a skill that's not only crucial for your entrepreneurial journey, but also in your everyday interactions with your loved ones, especially your children. We started by understanding the power of pers persuasion in, in the previous episode, how it can transform your interactions. And we explored those three little words that can break some sales records. Again, if you didn't hear that, go back to the previous episode. We highlighted the power of social proof. We discussed the importance of relatable testimonials, not just those highfalutin seven, eight, nine figure, unless you that's your peers, right? <laughs> but you know, this is all about emphasizing your need to understand your target audience. Man, this makes this so much easier. Then we touched on the significance of focusing on your yes people and the power of positivity in persuasion. We learned how to beat persuasion backfire by praising our top performers and the right way to use fear in selling by always providing a solution to that fear. We discussed the law of reciprocity and how giving before receiving can boost your sales even if they don't like you. We also explored the power of positive labels. Yep, calling people names and how you can affirm your audience's identity and at the same time influencing their behavior positively. Each of these points offers a unique insight into the art of persuasion, providing you with some actionable tips and you can get started, yeah, implementing them right now. You can push stop right now and go start using them, but don't. Let me finish this off because as parents and aspiring digital nomads, mastering these techniques, just becoming relatively good at them can help you navigate your entrepreneurial journey far more effectively and at the same time, greatly enhance your parenting skills. So now it's time for action. I encourage you to pick one. I gave you seven, right? So there's something in there for everybody, but... Pick one, at least one of these techniques, and start applying it today, right? Just, all right, I'm going to pick this one. I'm going to call people names, but the positive names, right? And then you just start doing it. And once you've got that one where it's part of your habitual day-to-day, -day, then go back and pick the next one. Whether it's using positive labels with your children or implementing the law of reciprocity in your business, take this first step. Because remember, the journey of a thousand miles starts with that first step. And as you embark on this journey, 
I have another exciting resource for you I want to share with you. So make sure you go tune in to episode 429. Unlocking the Parental Wealth Creation. This is a lesson from Dan Kennedy that I shared. This episode promises to be a treasure trove of insights and strategies. Maybe you've already listened to it. I don't know. And it can help you unlock your wealth creation potential as a parent and as a entrepreneur. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to continuing this journey with you in the next episode. Until then, keep learning, keep growing, and I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.